You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Missouri Tigers dominated the number 13 ranked Tennessee Volunteers and cruised to a 36-7 victory on Saturday at Faroe Field. Hello and welcome in to the Mizzou That's Who postgame show. I'm Tucker Franklin hanging out with you for the next oh half hour or so as we are going to go over all the top storylines, the top stats, everything that came out of Missouri's big dominant win over the Tennessee Volunteers in a game that was absolutely massive scoreboard, the stats, the implications, the uh, narratives around the game, everything very big coming to that game. Missouri, a one-and-a-half-point dog, I believe they closed at some sports books. Uh, you can find them at favorites elsewhere. That game was pretty much a pick heading into it. Missouri showed that they were the much better team on Saturday. As they, There's some pretty impressive stats uh, that I found while uh, doing post-game research from there. Got to give a shout out to our friends at Home Field Apparel, too, for making just uh, the best college apparel out there. Uh, I love Home Field Apparel stuff. I got to go out to uh, Faroe Field for the first time this season, picked a great game to go out and go see a good performance from the Tigers offense, the Tigers defense, special teams as well. Got to give a hot tip to everybody involved, and we'll obviously get into that, but I was rocking that Home Field hoodie that I love so much, so, so much. Love that hoodie. Uh, from homefieldapparel.com, was able to rock it out there at Faroe Field for the first time. So very excited that I uh, that I, that I got to go out there and got to enjoy a little bit of the game. As the, as I mentioned, the Tigers uh, rolled. They moved to a number 11 in the AP poll following that win. I know this time of year is a little weird when it comes to <laughs> what poll are we looking at. Uh, college football playoff rankings will obviously take precedent, which they're not going to come out until Tuesday. Looks like 8 or 8.30 p.m. It looks like that approximate start time is in between the games of the State Farm Champions Cup Classic, that doubleheader at the United Center in Chicago, a college, little college basketball action. That'll come at halftime or in between the games was it, um, of that State Farm Champions Classic. So we won't really know where Missouri ranks in the college football playoff rankings until Tuesday night which we'll have a couple more Tuesdays, the 21st, the 28th, until Selection Sunday on December 3rd. We will have uh, our college football playoff field set. I think it sounds like it's the last year of the uh, the four-team playoff, which, darn it, I know I've mentioned this on the Mizzou That's Who uh, podcast, where it's a real shame for Mizzou that this isn't the year where uh, where it could have been a 12-team a playoff, because it looks like it could be a year where Missouri could find themselves in that field, at least competing for that field as they are. Number 11 in the AP poll, as I mentioned, after a 36-7 win over the Tennessee Volunteers, moving up five spots in the poll. They jump ahead of uh, Penn State. Ole Miss takes a beating to Georgia, which we can talk about maybe a little bit later here. Uh, Oklahoma gets a win against West Virginia. They go up three spots in the poll. LSU up three spots as well after a win over Florida. Missouri's next opponent, a 52-35 win over uh, Florida as well. But they do get a little get a, get a little bit of bump in the poll. I'm a little surprised to see Oregon State ahead of them, especially after the way Missouri performed against the Tennessee team that I think the media and the uh, playoff committee thought pretty highly of. Missouri 
incredible performance of them, as well as the defense played. The offense played equally as well. Uh, very impressed to see uh, the Tigers come out here and snap that four-game losing streak that they had against the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. And listen, leading into this game, we talked about how Tennessee had just kind of dominated Missouri in the past two years of this rivalry. Um, last four they had won, as I mentioned. But this is Eli Drugas' first career win over Tennessee. Eli Drugas kept saying he was standing on business. Sounds like Eli Drinkwitz heard that heard that lyric uh, in a Drake song and kept saying it. Well, listen, I'm all for it. He was standing on business. They were standing on business during, after, before. They were standing on business the whole time. They took care of business as well as uh, they uh, they they made all those Tennessee fans in the in the south corner of the end zone not very happy leaving Faroe Field on Saturday. And one of the big reasons that the crowd. This is the first game I'd been to, as I mentioned, uh, this year. But the crowd was absolutely unreal. The Mizzou chants loud at every turn. But this is another sellout in Columbia. And it's a fourth straight sellout for Mizzou, which love to see the fans out there. I loved going through, walking through the tailgates up there by the Hearn Center, uh, hanging out with a lot of people up there, seeing a lot of people, friends of the podcast. So if you stopped me, you said, hey, I really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Hope you're listening to this one right now. Give you a little special shout out. Uh, he stopped me as uh, we were walking through uh, walking through the old uh, Hearns parking lot. I appreciate everybody listening as well to that. But four, snap to four game winning streak had a sellout, which this 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 four game sellout streak that Missouri has had this year has been the longest streak at Faro Field since 1980. So listen, the fans are behind Missouri when it comes to football, basketball. I mean, we we are packing the zoo because they've got good teams. They're putting good stuff out there. Really love. Uh, what the team, what the what the whole really uh, athletic department is putting out there. Fans are getting behind it. But listen, I don't know if we can go any further in this podcast without talking about Cody Schrader, and Cody Schrader might end up being this whole podcast. Cody Schrader put himself on a performance, and Cody Schrader is... Has been playing incredibly well. He played he played really well last year. You probably know his story already if you're listening to the podcast. I'm sure you do. Walk on from B2. Um, Truman State comes on, wins that first string running back job, and doesn't give it away. Dude runs absolutely hard. He's just so fun to watch play the game of football, play the sport of football, and I'm glad that he's doing it. For the Missouri Tigers, I'm glad that he was able to find a role out there and, and Eli Drinkwitz and company were able to to get him into this offense and really showcase some of his dynamic abilities. I know a lot of people said that maybe they didn't think that he could make it at the SEC level. Well, he's <laughs> certainly showing that he can make it at the SEC level. Here's Cody Strader. Finished the game with 321 yards from scrimmage, just rushing and receiving combined. The second most in Mizzou history. I'm sure you're thinking, hey, Tucker, I... He's a second most. Who was who had the most scrimmage yards from a game? Well, that was Devin West when he racked up 333 yards against Kansas in 1998. That was the year I was born. So I did not watch that game, unfortunately. Um, and what makes, what makes I think, Cody Schrader's performance a, a bit more, I don't want to say impressive than Devin West, because I'm sure it was impressive. 319 rushing yards for David West? Nuts. 14 receiving yards. Uh... Cody Schrader recorded. Uh, let me let me go back to my notes here. Let me find it here in my notes. As uh, Cody Schrader had uh, 205 rushing yards and 116 receiving yards, 
over a hundred yards in both categories. I I don't know. I feel like that's maybe a bit more impressive. He's able to get it away, get it done on both sides of the ball. Having over two hundred rushing yards is um, actually nuts. Uh, especially in this year where we came into this year, I, I just I keep going back to to some of the first podcasts that we did uh, for the Mizzou That's Who podcast at the beginning of the year. We were talking about you know the big aspects of what Missouri was going to have to improve on if they were going to be a team like that goes to that next level, that plays in a New Year Six, that that vies for the SEC East, that that tries to get into the playoff. One of the big things for me was this offensive line has to get so much better. From from last year to this year, it is absolutely night and day how well this offensive line is played. I think that reflects in how Cody Schrader's playing, but I don't want to say Cody Schrader's success is all because of the offensive line. I do think it's a very symbiotic relationship there. Um, well, it's any science teachers on the podcast. Let me know if I got that right um, in terms of the relationship that they have there. I, I do think it's it's one of those things that, that obviously is helping Cody Schrader, but Cody Schrader runs the ball very well. You see that a little bit, too, when, like, Nate P comes into the game. He does, he runs the ball well, doesn't quite run it as well as Cody Schrader. Uh, that's, that's, it's, it's evident. And when he comes into the game, Cody Schrader, it's, uh, he, he runs the ball hard. He gets the yards he's supposed to get and makes guys miss, too. So that's been really, uh, really fun uh, with Cody Schrader uh, watching him. Uh, just kind of perform uh, on a career-defining night for him against the uh, Vols. 205 yards and a touchdown on 35 attempts. His first 100-plus yard receiving effort with 116 yards on the day as well. He didn't only become the first Mizzou player also to top the century mark in the rushing and receiving yards in the same game, but also the first SEC player to record 200 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards. I'm sure... If you're listening to the podcast, you've already seen that stat by now, but still an incredible feat to just kind of, there's been no other SEC player. Think about how many good players the SEC is at, like in the history. There's been a lot of good SEC players, but none of them have had 200 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the same game. Cody Schrader is the only guy on that list. And Cody Schrader going down in history for, again, I want to reiterate his story that he has here as a walk-on uh, from a Division II program where he had a lot of success running the ball. I believe he's a 2,000-yard rusher that year. Had a lot of rushing yards. But to come in to kind of dominate uh, his his position battle, prove why he needed to be the number one back and, and put in that hard work and everything like that, he has a great story. Um, and you can't talk about it enough, truthfully. Uh, it's it's quite impressive what what he was able to do. And, and he really propels this Missouri offense. Last year, or last week, I should say, rather, we talked about Cody Schrader and the running game a little bit as a, as a catalyst to this Missouri offense. It gets a lot of things going. Um, and it seemed like Missouri, when it mattered, when it came down to it, seemingly vacated the running game too quickly. Especially against LSU. Georgia was another one where I thought they vacated the running game a little bit quicker than I wanted them to. When they were on that drive, Brady Cook threw the, throws an interception on the screen pass. I don't even know if it's actually a screen thinking about it. I think, I think Schrader just like leaked out. He was wide open, by the way. Anyhow, chase the squirrel right there. But they're running the ball well on that drive is my point. And there they throw the ball, an errant pass, you know, lands in the belly of a defensive lineman. Momentum shifts. 
in this game, they really stuck to running the ball, which I thought was uh, was really impressive, and I was really happy uh, that they just stuck with running the football. Tenth uh, player in just FBS history with 200 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the same game, and the third player to do it against a ranked opponent. So these 10 other players, I mean, listen, they might have, it sounds like seven of them did it against non-ranked teams. For Cody Sherry to go out there, put on such a performance against a ranked team, a team that was ranked just a spot ahead of them in the college football playoff, I think maybe a couple spots ahead of them in the AP pool last week. Um, Truly, truly just... Uh, uh, something to marvel at this performance from Cody Schrader. I told you I was going to wax poetically about Cody Schrader for a while because I think he he rightfully deserves it. Um, and when you look at some of the more of the stats, let me run through a few more of these stats here. Uh, Schrader rushed for a thousand yards this season, upping his total to one thousand one hundred twenty-four on the year. Fifteenth uh, Missouri Tiger all time to top a thousand yard receiving mark. And uh, on the day against Tennessee, Missouri ran for two hundred and fifty-five yards. That's their most in an SEC game since November 13th of 2001 against South Carolina. Leading rusher that day, Tyler Brady with 209 yards. I remember that game very well in a win against South Carolina. Another interesting tidbit I found uh, while doing some research. Hat tip to the uh, to the Missouri uh, SID, the, their department there, uh, putting out some great nuggets as well. Uh, Tennessee entered the contest allowing just 97.3 rushing yards per game this season. UT had not allowed 255 rushing yards in a game since November 13th of 2021. That same week where Tyler Beatty ran for 209 yards on South Carolina and the Tigers ran for 255 overall against South Carolina. Yeah, that same week, Tennessee allowed 255 yards against the Georgia Bulldogs where James Cook, ever heard of him? James Cook led the way for Georgia with 104 yards. Listen, but it wasn't just Cody Schrader that was impressive. Yeah, he's the big storyline. He's the he's getting all of the talks, and he deservedly does so. Uh, but Missouri's offense has been humming, and they were humming uh, when it when it came on Saturday. But first, before we get into the offense, I gotta tell you about our friends at HomeFieldApparel.com. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. I got out there to Faro Field wearing my Home Field Apparel hoodie. Uh, I've it's so comfortable. It's comfortable, it's warm, it's it's everything that you want from a hoodie. Stylish, had the little like leaping tiger on it. It looks good. It's a good looking hoodie. I had a lot of people asking me, hey, where'd you get that from? Where's that where's that hoodie from? I said, Oh, homefieldapparel.com. You can do KCSN twenty-three for 15% off your first purchase. You can do the same thing. Haven't ordered from homefieldapparel.com yet? Use that code KCSN23 for 15% off your order. Listen, and they've got all kinds of schools there as well. I've been going through making my wish list. James Madison Dukes, they got it. Hawaii, got it. Idaho, they got it. Um, who else can you think of? Tennessee, they got it. I don't know why you'd want a Tennessee shirt if you're listening to this, but they they, they got it at homefieldapparel.com. You name it, they got it. Indiana State, yep, the Sycamores, they definitely got that. Uh, so make sure you head on over there to our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out. Get 15% off your first order with code KCSN23 at checkout. That's code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order. We're going to take a break. When I get back on the other side, let's talk more about that Mizzou offense and a, an insanely dominant performance by the Missouri defense. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back into the Mizzou That's Who postgame show. I'm Tucker Franklin. Thank you for hanging out with me as we talk through... Uh, Missouri's massive 36-7 to win over the Tennessee Volunteers, a game that was a pick'em, that closed is pretty darn close to a pick'em. Some spots having Tennessee favored by three points. No shot. I hope you were able to get to Kansas or Iowa or um, Illinois or you name any other state around Missouri that has legal sports betting and go to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and place a bet down on the Missouri Tigers money line, the Missouri Tigers points. I hope you were able to take advantage of that because uh listen this Missouri offense man it has been so fun to watch this year and Saturday was no different uh a little slow start for both teams both teams started scoreless first quarter a poor decision by Brady Cook on that first drive of the game to throw that interception there but he really bounced back and what I think is so impressive about this Missouri offense is the red zone the red zone offense as they had five trips in the red zone this last week, they scored on all five of them, extending their streak, their conversion streak to 38 in a row. The last 38 times 
the Missouri Tigers have gone into the opponent's 20-yard line. Think about this. The last 38 times the Missouri Tigers offense has gone inside the opponent's 20-yard line, they have scored. They have gotten a score out of it. They have an FBS best 42 of 43 this season in the red zone. They're 42 of 43 in terms of uh, red zone conversions. Like That's field goal or touchdown in terms of getting points out of it. Field goal or touchdown inside the 20-yard line, the opposition's 20-yard line, 42 of 43 inside the red zone. Wow. That's what you want. I mean, that's what you want if you're an offense, is you want once you're inside that red area to be able to get points out of it is is absolutely massive. Um, and for them to be able to do that 38 straight times in a row, listen, I told you they've had 43 <laughs> total attempts this year. Their last 38 they've converted and gotten points out of. Missouri offense is humming. Big part of that is because of Brady Cook. He had a good day at the office when 18 of 24, 275 yards, touchdown. Also had a good day on the ground as well. He was running the football well 12 times for 55 yards, had a rushing touchdown. And he was big on third down, getting loose there a little bit. Uh he was he was a drive extender when it came to some of these uh, some of these scrambles for the Missouri Tigers offense when they were had their uh, backs against the wall there. Um, as I mentioned, him his scrambling ability on third down, eleven of seventeen on third downs, and the Missouri Tigers had the ball for nearly forty minutes in terms of time of possession. So, a big offensive day. <laughs> one of the one of the impressive ones. One of the impressive stats when I was looking through here uh, that I saw. Um, by Mizzou's 30th play of the game, which was a, a seven-yard touchdown run from Cody Schrader, the Tennessee offense had only run 10 snaps. Now, that's that shows obviously good on the Missouri defense, but Missouri had run 30 plays, and Tennessee had only run 10. I had to let that one breathe a little bit because that just shows you not only how good the offense was, but how dominant the defense was as well. I'm not ready to talk about the defense yet. I still want to talk about Brady Cook. Uh, a, a little nugget that I have about uh, Brady Cook when it uh, when it comes to his career, how it stacks up to those before him at Missouri. Had a 200-yard passing game, as I mentioned, 275 yards, touchdown and interception, 18 of 24 for Brady Cook on the day. That's his 18th career 200-yard passing game. He's tied for third now on Mizzou's career list for 200-yard passing games, matching him with Jeff Handy, Brad Smith, and James Franklin, who was in attendance on Saturday at Faroe Field, banging the drum to start the game. Jeff Handy, Brad Smith, James Franklin all have the same amount of 200-yard passing games as Brady Cook. Not too bad company to be in for old Brady. That's not too shabby of company to be in for Brady. We'll take it. We'll take it. Brady Cook's been playing well. Big reason that this offense is at the level that it is is because of Brady Cook. He has turned into a great leader on that side of the ball. Always has been a great leader. Uh, you you tell the guys love him, and that's huge. But the way he's been able to run the offense 
manage the offense. His decision-making has been a lot better. He only had that really one bad decision that I mentioned uh, just after the break about where he threw like into triple coverage. Ball got tipped a little bit too. Uh, still wasn't a great decision trying to force the ball to Luther there. I get it. I'd try to force the ball to Luther too as well. But that was really it. That was really the only mistake or the bad decision I could really think off the top of my head uh, when I was preparing for this podcast here. But uh, Brady Cook has is in some illustrious company. Uh, but let's talk about the defense because the offense was dominant, but the defense, as I mentioned, was even better. Told you that stat about <laughs> by Missouri's 30th play of the game, uh, the Vols hadn't ran 10 snaps yet. Absolutely insane. Uh, Tennessee was just held to seven points. That's the fewest the Tigers have allowed in a game since shutting out Vanderbilt in 2020. Missouri's defense came into the game. We heard a lot about the Josh Heupel offense. Uh, how the, how really Josh Heupel's offense this year wasn't really what we had come to expect with the Josh Heupel offense. It's a little bit different. They're running the ball. They're playing really good defense. Uh, the, the Vols were. And they heard that a lot. They run the ball really well. They got they got a great rushing attack. They they're an they're a really good rushing team. Well, Missouri said, "All right, bet we got a we got a good offensive line or a good defensive line. We're we're pretty good in that department." And uh, yeah, they held them to uh, under eighty three yards rushing. Well, that's the first time that they've been held to under a hundred yards since their matchup versus Georgia in twenty twenty two, and their lowest total overall since twenty twenty one versus Georgia, and if you are being put in the same conversation of defenses as the 2022 and the 2021 Georgia teams, which, let me remind you, both of those teams won the national championship and the 2022 Georgia team allowed, I think, seven points to a team in the national championship, so yeah, pretty good defense, so a couple pretty good defenses to be held in the same company with. Uh, This Missouri team was able to really flex their muscle against a Tennessee team that has been kind of a team that's been predicated historically on offense but this year they have kind of they've been winning games differently and that's you know good teams win win games differently but this one was purely dominated by the Missouri Tigers on both sides of the ball really the line of scrimmage was dominated by the Missouri Tigers on both sides of the ball an impressive performance from the defense that's the fewest points scored in the game in the three seasons of the Hypel era uh, for the uh, Tennessee Volunteers, the low of, lowest offensive output for a high school coach team in his six years at UCF and Tennessee combined. Think about that one. Six years as a head coach at UCF and Tennessee, this is lowest offensive output. Previously was 14 versus Florida in 2021. So lots of, uh, lots of very good landmarks there uh, for the Missouri Tigers defense. And what I think was so impressive in this performance was they had some backup linebackers, uh, Tristan Newsom, Chuck Hicks, playing for the injured Tyron Hopper and Chad Bailey, a couple guys that are kind of cornerstone pieces for this Missouri defense. But Tristan Newsom, Chuck Hicks stepped up. They led the defense. Newsom had uh, eight tackles, one for a loss, a hurry and a forced fumble. Hicks had a six tackles and recovered a fumble as well. Balls only ran 57 plays. Domination. I'm telling you, man, they absolutely dominated the Vols. And I think what kind of hurt Tennessee a little bit is almost their own doing because they ran the hurry up a little bit. So they ran the hurry up and they couldn't get any momentum. And I know that like the hurry up, you try to run that to gain momentum, to to, to keep the momentum when you can. But Missouri was hitting them for a loss and then they'd run a, ready to run a hurry up play. 
and Joe Milton would overthrow somebody on a slant. And then it would be like, okay, now it's third and 12. You've run two quick plays that didn't do anything. And I don't want to take away from the Missouri defense at all. Don't think that's this is me talking away, taking away from the Missouri defense. Their defending of the hurry up was, I think, just through, just through Tennessee off. Um, they were able to, man, they were able to stop them at the line of scrimmage. They didn't. They were not effective at all on the offensive side of the ball. Huge, huge performance from Blake Baker and company. Uh, and listen, a one guy I really got to give a hat tip to. Darius Robinson, man, has been so good this year. He's been so good, so fun to watch. He recorded another sack on Saturday. That's his sixth sixth consecutive game with a sack. He has six and a half on the season. He's been a beast. He leads the team with six and a half sacks. Just an incredible defensive performance, obviously, as uh, Missouri only holds the Volunteers to seven points on the day. And that seven points was a pretty impressive touchdown catch. I'll say it was a pretty darn impressive touchdown catch early on in the game. I believe in the in the uh, second quarter there, but uh, was, Tennessee took that seven to three lead early in the second. Mizzou went on to score thirty three unanswered as they go on to win thirty six to seven over the Tennessee Volunteers. I mentioned earlier, UGA cruised to a big win over the Ole Miss Rebels. Bama rolled Kentucky, so both of those teams, Bama and UGA, will be playing in the SEC championship game. Both of those already locked up, especially with Ole Miss losing to Georgia. Can't get back in it. So uh, Missouri beating Tennessee kind of helps cement UGA's place in that title game once again. As we all suspected at the beginning of the year, Bama is going to be playing Georgia for the SEC title game. LSU beat Florida. Next up for Missouri is Florida. Spoiler alert. I got a couple fun facts before we dive into that one a little bit. Um, but LSU beat them 52-35. to 35. Florida coming to town to play Missouri next week under the lights. Should be a good matchup. But I got to also talk about Harrison Mevis because I think Harrison Mevis this year has, has obviously been really good. Uh, Captain Obvious checking in here. But uh, Mevis had three field goals on the day. Ties him with uh, Rodrigo Blankenship for fourth on the all-time career field goals list for the SEC with 80. He also was 3-for-3 on PAT attempts, totaling to 12 points on the day. His uh, Mizzou scoring record is now 376 points. He has bumped that up to him. Missouri became the first team to beat all four FBS teams from the state of Tennessee in a single season. That is Memphis, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Missouri beating all four of those teams on their schedule. I saw the Missouri media account. Or Missouri football social media account tweet out uh, Eli Drinkwitz owns, owns uh, Tennessee, owns the whole state. So checks out to me. I think it works. Go ahead and print the t-shirts. Print the uh, state champions, the uh, Missouri state or no, the the Tennessee state champion shirt. Go ahead and print them. Bet they'll be hot. Be hot off the presses. But um, yeah, so big games coming up in the SEC. Obviously Missouri, as I mentioned. Uh, they close out their home schedule. They are playing at home for the final time this year when they take on the Florida Gators this Saturday. Kickoff will be at 6.30, and it will be on ESPN. If you cannot make it out to Faroe Field, I think there are limited tickets left. But if you can't make it out there, go out there. Enjoy the atmosphere. thought it was a phenomenal time. I had a phenomenal time out there. The atmosphere was incredible. One of the best atmosphere games I have been to in a very long time. That game meant a lot. 
to a lot of people in that in that stadium. That's what you want. That's what you want late in the year in November. Going on in uh, late November, you want games that matter. Missouri has that. They are off uh, to off to a off to a, a very strong start as we barrel to towards bowl season. Looking at the uh, some potential spots, before I have you here, some potential seating, I guess rankings I should call it, not necessarily seating in the college football playoff. I'm looking at some of the t- the top two win team, two loss teams I should say: Oregon State, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. Those are the your two loss teams right now. I mean, outside of Tulane, outside of James Madison. Uh, your two lost teams, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri, Oregon State. I think Missouri is the best two lost team. I think when we hear Missouri's name called out on the college football committee, college football playoff ranking show on November 14th at approximately 8 p.m. Central Time, that we will hear the Missouri Tigers at number 10. That's my prediction, number 10 for the Missouri Tigers. It seems like to me that the committee likes Missouri way more than the media does. The committee put them at 12 uh, before Georgia. <laughs> before that Georgia game, they put them at 12. So they obviously held them in a higher regard um, in their previous rankings, and they lost to Georgia, dropped maybe a couple spots, right? I think down to 14, yeah, so 12 to 14. I think they're 10. I think they have a better resume than Oregon State. I think they have a better resume than Penn State, better resume than Ole Miss, and a better resume than Oklahoma. Oklahoma is hanging on to that win over Texas, but they have two pretty bad losses. Well, Kansas I don't think is a very good loss. Oklahoma State, I think I'm still up in the air on. They did not look good against UCF. UCF lost, I think, to okay. Oklahoma State's lost to Oklahoma State's loss to UCF. I'm sure you guys know where I'm going by this with that by now. Makes their loss, makes Oklahoma's loss to Oklahoma State look a little worse. That's a little convoluted. But I think when you look at Missouri's schedule, they lose to Georgia, who has won the SEC East by I don't remember, 10 points. Was that game right? A 10-point game? 9-point game? 30-21. They lost to LSU by, I think it was close to, it was a 10-point game, right? Um, so you're looking at those two. That's LSU, three-loss LSU, who's 15 in the AP pool right now. You're looking at number one, uh, Georgia. Lost to those two teams. They have a win over Tennessee, which Tennessee at the time was... 14, so they have a win over 14 and number 14 at the time, Tennessee. Close losses to LSU, to number one Georgia and the A people. I think that I think they'll get a bump. I really do. I think they'll be. I think they'll be top 10. I think they're going to be put ahead of Oregon State. Um, I just think they're the best two loss team right now. Penn State, their losses are to Michigan to Ohio State. But they don't really have a good win. Like they don't have a Tennessee, like Missouri does. I think the win to Tennessee kind of puts them over uh, in some regards, especially the committee. The committee's already kind of favored the eye test for the Missouri Tigers as well. So I think that they'll be a top ten team. 
Louisville merely escapes uh, Virginia. Maybe they put him ahead of Louisville. I don't know. But I think I think by the time the rankings come out, I think they'll be the top-ranked two-loss team in the country. That's a big deal, as uh, the Missouri Tigers still fighting for that New Year's Six Bowl. As I mentioned, next week they'll close out their home schedule with the Florida Gators on Saturday. Kick at uh, 6.30. That'll be nationally televised on ESPN. You can catch that as well. Got to give a, a shout-out to Home Field Apparel for decking us out. Making us look great when we go to Faro Field. Basketball's coming up to, uh, listen, we'll be back on Tuesday with an episode. We'll talk a little bit about that Memphis loss for the Missouri basketball team and uh, look ahead a little bit more to the Florida Gators who, listen, right now I'll give you a little sneak peek. I'm not high on the Florida Gators. I don't think the Florida Gators are good. I think Missouri, it should be another dominant win for the Missouri Tigers, but you never know what can happen any given Saturday, especially in the SEC, any given Saturday. So that's going to do it for me here. Appreciate you listening all the way to the end of the podcast. Didn't have time for voicemails, but we'll make sure we get to those next week. You can go follow me on Twitter at Tucker D. Franklin. Speakpipe.com slash Mizzou, that's who, where you can leave your voicemails, your reactions to everything that goes on in Missouri athletics. I will listen to all those there, and we will get to voicemails next time. But uh, other than that, we really appreciate you listening all the way to the end of the podcast. As, as Pat McAfee says, be a friend, tell a friend about the Mizzou That's Who podcast. We really appreciate you getting the word out there. Mizzou, it's 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 a great time, the best time to be a Mizzou fan right now. And I just want to enjoy that with you guys. So if you could share it with some of your Mizzou friends, your Mizzou family, we appreciate that greatly. Um, you all are the best. Love you. Appreciate you. We'll be back next week. I'll do another one of these post-game shows, kind of venting, event session get everything out there. Maybe I'll probably wax poetically again about Luther Burden or Cody Schrader or Theo Weiss. Maybe maybe next week's a Theo Weiss appreciation podcast. Who knows? But you'll just have to wait until next week where I'll be back with another episode. Appreciate you guys greatly. I'll talk to you guys next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.